You know, sometimes we walk in, we have no idea the, the trials they faced. And this morning when I uh, walked in after just having some quiet time, I don't know, it was about 10 after 9, and we get together at 8.30, and I just heard Jody going, test, test, hello. I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> that's like 40 minutes after they were supposed to start. But I know this morning that the soundboard, or the, the internet, it was the internet that was just not allowing them to get sound out and sound in. And so um, I, it was a special especially difficult this morning that they did it, and I'm very grateful. So, if you don't know me, I am Jimaline, and I am the worship arts director here at Chapel, and I have the privilege of sharing with you this morning of what God has put on my heart this last week. Um, so, I was just thinking the last time I was in front of you speaking, you all were so much further away. Like way further away, right? Because we were outside. There's something a little more comforting when I can't see your faces. <laughs> Kidding. Um, so if you all see my hand shaking or my knees shaking, it's all good. God's got this. <laughs> Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you and we just claim your name because it cannot be overcome. Your name is great and greater than anything we can ever comprehend. And we thank you for that. Father, I just pray that you will allow me to move aside and just come and stand here and speak through me, Father, this morning. Because my words are nothing. Your words are great. And I just pray that you will use them and they might be used for your glory. In your precious name, amen. So I'm going to open with John 16, 33. I'm all over scripture today. I, I swear, I'm just going to focus on a couple. Uh, John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. There will be trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Shalom. I love learning the meaning behind words in the Bible. I love to learn about their history, the culture that goes with it. It creates an understanding for me that is so much more tangible. It's a history lesson of a thousand generations and more before us, right? So I ask again, shalom. Peace. It's just thrown out there, right? Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Everybody just wants a little bit of peace. Peace can mean different things to different people. So the beauty contestants back in the day when we used to watch them, um, right? Uh, what they would ask, what is the one thing you wish to achieve should you win Miss World? Wor world peace. See, they all knew too. Ah, the answer. Yep. World peace. She just wants to win and can't think of anything better than the person that went before her and before her and before her. Don't you remember them all lining up? World peace, world peace. Um, the patient, 
waiting anxiously in the doctor's office to, to hear from the doctor about all those lab tests that have been done. He just thinks he wants peace. What he wants is just really, he wants to know he has some great health, that he's going to be okay. Peace is what your neighbor wants when your dog is barking, right? Non-stop. Uh, we have a few extra dogs every once in a while, and one starts and then the other, and then the other, and we're like, oh, no, our neighbors. <laughs> but what she really wants is quiet. Basically, when we don't have what we think we should have, we say, I just need a little peace. Shalom. It can only come from one place, and that is our Heavenly Father. The Hebrew definition, Old Testament, of shalom is wholeness, a state of completeness, peace, whole peace, complete peace. Shalom refers to something complex with lots of pieces that are in a state of completeness, wholeness. Perfect example of this, our lives, maybe not. Our lives are so complex and definitely full of so, so many moving pieces and parts and situations and relationships. And when any of these are out of alignment or missing, our shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole and needs some attention and restoration. Restoration can be hard though, right? It's hard and it can be very dirty. In fact, as I watched our our son-in-law, Taylor and Brett, yesterday, um, they were doing some, I guess, restoration improvements on our house. Under the house, the dirt is way different than that outside of the house. Outside of the house has elements on it. You know, it's been watered, it's been dried and watered again. They came out covered in this silt, this, just this fine, fine thing of dirt all over them. Dirty. So just like those home improvement shows on TV, Dirty. Restoration can be hard. Things get old or are left unattended. And the realization for them on these TV shows that this whole place is going to come crashing down if they don't take care of it and take care of the brokenness that all just kicks in, right? Demo day. Demolition. It can be so much fun, so easy, and often happens so quickly. Then the restorative elements begin. Not so easy. We are DIYers. I didn't say DUI. He's like, please don't say DUI. <laughs> I say it too fast. DIYers, do-it-yourselfers. So we have tackled many home and garden projects in the last 31 plus years um, on our own. And it always starts with a dream, usually my dream. Like, hun, what if we could just do this? Um, and then the plans get put on paper, and he's really good at fulfilling it. It's amazing. Um, supplies are bought, and then the project begins. Like our lives, these projects can be complex, with many moving parts. For instance, after one of those renos in our house or add-ons we did, we decided to top it off and finish it with one of those really great, eight-foot-high IKEA corner cabinets. Mm -hmm. I know, I just heard you all have done Ikea stuff, you know what I'm talking about. So if you've assembled or tried to assemble anything from Ikea, let me see your hand. Oh, so many more of you than I thought. 
Yet, way too many of us. Okay, now, 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 I want you to raise your hand if currently that IKEA project that you tackled is still standing. Oh, not as many hands. Okay, but there are a few. All of you who didn't raise your hand just now, look around because those are the people you want to assemble your IKEA or to fix it, right? <laughs> um, I want you to know that, yes, ours is still standing, not in our house, um, but it is still standing. And the only reason is I'm Swedish. I speak Swedish. Ugerstad, whatever the other words are. so <laughs> good, which means, ah, oh, it's good. Smorgasborg, we all know that one. I'm kidding. I am Swedish. I did not. <laughs> you open the instructions for those IKEA things, you know. It's crazy. But I love little parts. I love figuring it out. I love the puzzle of it. And my husband's just like, ah, I'm done. So ours is standing. It was teamwork. Someday we'll use it again. <laughs> shalom. Shalom can also be used to ask about a person's well-being. Like David to his brothers in 1 Samuel 17, 22, Jesse has just asked David to go find out his brother's well-being. 17:22. David left his things with the keeper of suppliers, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. Shalom. If you know the story of the Philistines and Goliath and King Saul and the Israelites with David, you probably know about David's brothers, Shalom. They had been out there a long time. They were scared, exhausted, and in a state of chaos without Shalom. The state of the brothers' hearts and lack of shalom is exposed a few verses later in 1 Samuel 17, when David's oldest brother, Eliab, burns with anger and demands answers from David and accuses him of being selfish and wicked. But we know where David's heart was, for we are told in Scripture that David was a man after God's own heart. He knew who his God was. He also knew that his God, our God, was for him especially in that battle against Goliath, and not against him. He was David's shalom, his perfect and complete peace. So I'm going to ask you, how is your shalom today? Can you say 100% that you are at complete and whole peace? If you can't, is there a way to restore that? There are relationships maybe in our lives that need restoration, maybe with a family member, a coworker, maybe an acquaintance, or even just a, a real special friendship. Sometimes restoration, I'm not going to say sometimes, restoration's hard, especially in relationships. When you um, use shalom as a verb, it looks like this. How can I bring shalom back into this relationship? How can I make it whole again? Best case scenario, you have the hard conversation, and together you are able to bring shalom back into your lives. 
From my experience, however, it doesn't always work out so easily. I have the hard conversation in hopes of restoration, and it can be just one-sided. So it's heartbreaking, right? So how do we get back to shalom and these circumstances? If you're like me, you pray, and then you pray some more, and then you seek counsel. You seek wise counsel. The last five years, I've experienced a few of these scenarios, um, and it, like I said, it truly makes my heart sad to, for them, because when it's put on our heart to restore and it's not for them, it's hard. Peace, whole peace, shalom can be hard to find in those moments. So, but I have a dear friend who offered a simple solution about 10 years ago. I love this. During such a time, three simple words. Bless and release. Like, okay. So in that situation, first, bless them. Pray for this person God has placed in your life or the situation that God has placed in your life. Pray that God would move in their heart to move towards shalom. Then release them. And this is the best part. And I tell you this as I'm writing this, um, this last week, um, that when I just was reminded about the bless and release, and I got to that release, I was just like, it was just a deep sigh of just relief. Um, But this action we often forget. And some of us humans just cannot let go, right? We like to hold on. We think we need to fix all the brokenness and dysfunction when what we really need is to actually take care of us. And that is not a selfish thing. It's self-care, right? It is not a selfish thing. Don't ever let anybody tell you that. It is really, truly just taking a few moments with our God to take care of us, Uh, or a lot of moments with our God. (laughs) When we release, we are surrendering this broken relationship or this situation to our Heavenly Father. We are placing them at the feet of Jesus, and there is such freedom in that release. Okay, so I want you to just kind of do this with me. If you'll close your eyes for a minute. Just take a deep breath and release it slowly. Do you have a relationship that you have tried hard to bring shalom to? And the brokenness is tearing you apart. Lay them at the feet of Jesus and bless them. Pray for them. Pray that their heart would lead them to restoration, to wholeness, to shalom. Release them at the feet of Jesus. Now take another deep breath. And release it. There's freedom from worry, freedom from dwelling in that unhealthy place we've allowed ourselves to be. There is complete freedom in placing all of that at the feet of Jesus. And guess what? We are in, then we are in a place where we can accept our Father's shalom, complete and whole.
open your eyes. Shalom. I've had the privilege the last few weeks to work my way through a new devotional I picked up. I'm not usually one to go to the devotional because I really just enjoy picking up my Bible and simply reading from it. Um, but this devotion was calling to me. <laughs> uh, the title is Seeing Beautiful Again. It was the word beautiful that stood out to me. I, if you know from my last, last chat, talk, sermon, hard to claim, it's hard word to claim in our lives. Uh, it reminded me of that key phrase that I also shared with you last time. Beautiful girl, you can do hard things. Beautiful, handsome young man, you can do amazing things. I like to translate it like this. Beautiful, precious child of God, you can do hard things with Christ, through Christ, and in Christ, who loves you more than I can ever imagine. And all that to say, I bought the devotional. <laughs> I have not been sorry I bought it. Each and every devotion has led me through just a new journey um, or a new reminder just where to put my focus. Uh, devotion has truly touched me, especially number three. This day, I learned two new words. Again, I like to learn new words. Uh, grog. Anybody know what grog is? Oh, yeah, you're going to learn about it. And potsherds. Not shards of pottery, pot shards. So anyone in here a potter? I love to plant flowers. I love planting flowers in pots. I'm kidding. A potter. So there were a couple hands. So you know with clay, pot shards and grog come into play. Ah, a potter is not always perfect, and accidents happen. Right? Pottery shards, pot shards, broken, broken pieces. A pot shard is a broken piece of pottery without shalom. It can stay on the ground and be nothing more than a reminder of brokenness or heartache. Or we can gather up those pot shards, gather them up, put them in both of our hands, hold on tight. But what happens when you hold on tight to broken pot shards? They can cut you. They can scrape you. They can wound you deeply. On the other hand, our master potter, our creator, can be entrusted to take these pot shards and shatter them just right. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? Shatter them just right. What? They're already shattered. Ah, but this is where my second word comes in, grog. See, when God shatters the potsherds of our life, he does shatter them just right. And what happens when we do that, it creates grog. And grog is the dust, basically, of pot shirts. And when you add them, I have to get my gloves on because otherwise it'll be a mess. 
when you take perfectly pure, as pure as clay gets, clay is pure in its form. When you take the clay, it's moldable. It can be shaped into something so much more amazing than this blob. And when you add potsherds to it, the death, or I'm sorry, grog, when you add grog, that's dirty and broken. When you add it and mold it into the clay, it does something amazing. When this clay is molded and shaped into a vessel, it becomes so much stronger than if it didn't have the broken pieces of potsherds in it. And when, it gets better, when you fire it in the kiln, it can be fired at an intensity much higher than if you did not have the grog in there, the brokenness, the broken pieces that have been shattered just right by our creator, our master potter. It can be fired at intense heat. Gets even better. When it comes out in that state, in a vessel form or whatever form it has been created to, you put that glaze on and you fire it again, it comes out with more beauty and more, um, I guess, uh, a uniqueness in, in its state because of the intense fire it had gone through, because of the broken shards that had been broken just right and added to the play and it had been molded. It's so much more beautiful. I want to share about this beautiful vase up here that I got. See, I did a little research this week. <laughs> it's been a busy week. We went, uh, Lexi and I went to Kyle Kilns just down the highway from us. And we always seem to get connected with the potter in there. Her name is Amanda. And Amanda is passionate about pottery. And I was drawn to this beautiful vase. It's very different than what you typically see. You can see the incredible, beautiful glaze here. And then it's just um, flatness. It's uh, matteness. <laughs> It's matte. This vase, of course, made and fired in a kiln that was pretty hot. I can't remember the exact temperature. We were trying to figure that out yesterday. Um, there were so many details. But when this pot comes out of the kiln, they literally throw the glaze on it, and they, they don't toss it because it would break. They place it in this trash can that has combustibles in it. And it has like newspaper and pine needles, she was saying. And sometimes they put horse hair in there or feathers. Um, and it just kind of sticks. And then when it burns, it literally ignites. It literally is burning in this trash can. After a short time in this trash can, this is what they pull out. Now, the pottery was clay color. This is the smoke that turned this black which I think is pretty amazing. And then the glaze in its beauty has layers and depth of it. It is unique. There were none like it in that place. So a vessel molded, reconstructed, and whole. 
We need to decide we don't want to be these broken pieces to just be shot potsherds wasted on the ground to be trampled on or something we hold on to that continues to hurt us. Holding on to these potsherds only leads to bitterness, weariness, harshness, a lack of freedom, and a heart that is broken, leaving us without shalom. How much better it would be to take the potsherds of our life, surrender them, and entrust them into his hands, the master potter, allowing him to not only make us whole again, but make us more resilient. So when we do face those fires, those trials, the troubles of this world, we can stand strong knowing he can and will create shalom in our lives. For he has already given us the perfect, whole, and complete peace, the Prince of Peace. His Son, Jesus, sent to die for me and for you. He's just waiting for you to surrender, to experience true shalom. Shalom.